Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. My name's uh, Carl, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're going to be looking at that passage together now, but before we do that, let's uh, bow together in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, who you are, that you're the God who made us, uh, that Uh, the God who made this world and the God who made us to have a relationship with you. Uh, Not only that, the God who has gone to such great lengths through Jesus so that we can all uh, still have a relationship with you even though we've turned away. Lord, we ask uh, that as we think now about what to live for, that you would help us to know uh, what it is to really live. Uh, Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as Jacob said, today is the last of our series of uh, thinking about what do you live for. Uh, We've asked our friends and family, the people that we meet, what they live for, uh, and we've been looking at some of the top responses. We've looked uh, at happiness, we've looked at family, we've looked at living for virtue, uh, and finally today we're looking at living for fun or or living for the moment, or maybe living for kind of self-satisfaction. Uh, and if you've missed any of the talks in the last few weeks, uh, I'd encourage you to find those on the, uh, the website and maybe to listen to them, uh, because no matter what you live for, no matter what your answer to the question is, uh, you'll probably find that there are helpful things in each of those other topics that are relevant uh, for you uh, as you think about what it means to live. But before we uh, get today into thinking about what it means to live for fun, I want to stop and just give you a bit of an idea of how important this, uh, uh, this question really is. Just to give you a sense of how important this question really is. Uh, Luke, can you put up that, that picky for me? Someone sent me this picky. I think it's from the back of a toilet door. Um, uh, but I don't know if you, can, if you can read it. It says, my reason to live is going on adventures with my dog. Uh, and and uh, what makes it really uh, pretty pretty sad is what it says underneath. I don't know if you can read that. It says, what's your reason? Put your reasons to live into a suicide safety plan with the Beyond Now app. Uh, knowing what to live for, I think, is a really important issue. Uh, and as human beings, we need to know what we live for, and tragically, lots of people don't have that. Uh, That's what that sign recognises, and we need reasons to live. Suicide is a real issue. As somebody who's struggled with that uh, in in my own life, I know what a real issue that can be, but we need reasons to live, and we need, I think, reasons to live greater than 
just taking our dog for a walk on the beach or wherever it is. There are far better, richer, longer-lasting things to live for than taking our dog for a walk. It's important to know why we live, what we live for, but it's important not just for this life, it's important for beyond now. It's important for after death, and that's what this story that we read about this morning is all about. Well, as I said before, we've looked at happiness, we've looked at family, we've looked at virtue, and we've looked at today, uh, sorry, we've looked at virtue, and and today we're looking at living for today, or living for fun, or living for the moment. And quite a few answers came back under that category. People said things like uh, food, they live for food, they live for friends, they live for pets, they live uh, for memories, making good memories, they live for good times, they live for shooting and fishing, Um, they live for climbing, Uh, they live for music, mountain biking, uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. I'm not sure if that was serious, but I I reckon probably close to the mark. Uh, Living for for fun is about living for the things that you enjoy. And and in many ways, our society is structured around that. Uh, Here's one one author's description of, of what the aim of life is. He writes, the function of life is to recreate yourself anew in each golden moment of now, in the next grandest version of the greatest vision you ever held about who you are. The message is live for the moment and make the next moment even better than the present moment. We're encouraged to find our passion, aren't we, and to pursue it. We're encouraged to find all the things that make us happy and to do those things. Whether it's traveling overseas or going out for dinner or just spoiling ourselves, treating ourselves with a bit of retail therapy. We're encouraged to find those things, to do them and enjoy them. And of course, the ultimate dream is not just to do them Every now and then, but the ultimate dream is to be able to do that, to get to a point where you can do that 24-7. To be able to do that all the time. The dream is, isn't it, to retire early. To spend the rest of your life self-sufficient, doing what you really love, rather than working for somebody else. A friend of mine, uh, when I first met him, uh, would have been about 21, I reckon, maybe 2021. Uh, and his aim was to retire by the age of 30 uh, and to be self-sufficient. And to be honest, he was probably well on the way to doing that. He's one of the, he was one of those people who would just probably be able to nail that. His dream was to retire early and then spend the, his life kite surfing, uh, chasing the wind, literally. Uh, and... That is actually the motto. I don't know if you know uh, what the motto of Rip Curl is. Uh, Rip Curl is one of my favourite brands. It's, you know, I, I, can I say I have a favourite brand? Uh, I love Rip Curl. Their motto is the search. Their kind of their whole their whole theme is the search. The search for what? The search for the best wave. The search for the not just the best wave for the next best wave. Their whole advertising is, is, is structured around that. This is what one of the Rip founders of Rip Curl said, that idea of adventure, 
looking for and surfing good waves, having a few beers and a good time at night, and then getting up the next day and doing it all again, that's how we lived our lives. That was the essence of Rip Curl. It sounds ideal, doesn't it? It's a vision of life on the coast, by the beach, travelling the world, finding great waves, seeing great sights, hanging out with friends. And to be honest, lots of us probably dream about doing just that. Quitting work and being able to live it up. Just have fun. Or maybe... That's what we dream about, but in our more rational moments, we realize that that's not possible. And we think to ourselves, well, I, I, I'm not going to be able to retire early, but maybe I can just work a bit less. Maybe I can do a four-day week. Get a long weekend every week or every second week. And like Jacob said before, live for the weekend. Even if we're not living for the moment, even if we're not living for retirement, we're living for the weekend, we're living for the evening after work, or after the kids go to bed, we're living for our own spare time. And we're living for financial independence because it takes financial independence to be able to live how we want. It's the barefoot dream, isn't it? Do you know the, the barefoot investor? How many people have read The Barefoot Investor? Oh, here we go, a few people. The, the, the Barefoot Investor is one of Australia's highest-selling books. Uh, and it's full of really quite sensible financial advice, actually. But here's one of the testimonials in the book. Since joining Barefoot, I've managed to pay $30,000 off our mortgage, save another $30,000 for renovating our home, take the family to Fiji, Hamilton Island and Noosa, build a share portfolio worth $16,000, save up a nice little emergency money account, all while not having to sacrifice my lifestyle. I'm ashamed to say I eat breakfast out more than I do at home. I have never felt as financially secure as I am now, even when I was earning twice as much and didn't have a child to take care of. I feel excited about my future. We want that financial security, don't we? The nest egg, the house paid off, the kitchen renovated, the opportunity to do what we want to do in our time whenever we want to do it. Even some apparently Christian books sell that same vision. An American pastor by the name of Joel Osteen wrote a book titled Your Best Life Now. And in the first chapter, he sets up the book by telling the story of his wife and he when they were younger, when they were on a modest salary, they saw this wonderful house that was too expensive for them to buy. But they convinced themselves that God wanted them to have that expensive and beautiful house. That was God's dream for them and they had to dream that dream for themselves as well. And Joel Osteen reprimands others, other people for having a, a small vision of what God wants uh, them to prosper and achieve in. He wants us to imagine all the wonderful things that we can possibly imagine for ourselves and he wants us to know or think or believe that that's what God wants for us. But is that what we should live for? Is that what we should live for? Should we live for fun? Should we live for the moment? Should we live for our own self-satisfaction? 
Well, that's what so much of the media tells us. That's even what some Christians would apparently tell us. Should we live for that? Well, that doesn't seem to be what Jesus said, according to that story that we read just before. Uh, That little story that we read from one of the first uh, century biographies of Jesus' life tells us what Jesus thought about living for the moment. Uh, Someone comes to Jesus, they want Jesus to tell uh, this, this man's brother to share the inheritance with him. Uh, he wants some, some of that money, but Jesus turns that request into an opportunity for a warning. Jesus says, look, I don't want get, to get caught up in your disputes. But whatever the case, verse 15, he says, watch out. Watch out. Why? Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. It seems at first that this warning is really first and foremost just about money. But it's more than that. You know, you might think to yourself, well, I'm not greedy. Uh, you know, I don't want a million dollars. I don't, uh, I, I don't want to have a share portfolio. I'm happy not having the share portfolio. I just uh, want, a, you know, I just want a comfortable life and I want financial security. Uh, but it turns out that Jesus is not just thinking about money. Rather, Jesus is saying that money here is a symptom of a deeper pursuit Money is just a tool here to live for self-satisfaction. It's a tool to live for fun. So to explain, Jesus tells this story. He says this, that there's a rich man, he's a farmer, and one year he has a bumper crop. Uh, all, you know, he, just, he, he makes a mint. He, he, he makes so much money, he makes so much grain, uh, and he doesn't know what to do with it. He thinks to himself, well, what I'll do uh, is I'll build some really big barns, and I'll stockpile it. Uh, it's really important, though, to understand that the reason that he stockpiles the grain is not because he thinks to himself, gosh, you know what I want? I just want some big piles of grain. I just, you know, I, when, my life dream has always been to have lots of grain. Uh, he, he's not thinking to himself, I just want lots of grain. He wants the grain for a reason. What does he say? He says, in verse 19, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You see, the grain is just the tool to put his feet up and to enjoy life and not have to work again. He's a man who wants to live for fun. He's a man who never wants to work another day in his life. He's a man who wants to do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it. He can eat, drink, and be merry. It's like a permanent weekend. He's gone barefoot, and he's made it. He can live the search. But Jesus says that's not what real life is all about. He says that a day of reckoning comes. Verse 20, But God said to this man, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
You see, the day comes when that man with his barns and all his grain has to stand before God and give an account of his life. As one person put it, life is not ours to do with as we want. It's something for which we have to give an account. But what will this man say when he stands before God to give an account of his life? What will he say? Look, God, look at, look at the grain in my barns. Look how much I've got. Look at the fun things I've been able to do. Jesus says, that man is a fool. He's lived a life being rich toward himself, satisfying himself, living for the moment, living for fun. But Jesus says the important thing is not being rich toward ourselves, but being rich toward God. The problem is not, please understand, the problem is not having a bumper crop. The problem is not making lots of money, actually. The problem is not even having big barns. The problem is what you do with that. The problem is what you think the purpose of that is, what you think the purpose of life is. This man thinks that the purpose of that crop, the purpose of that grain is to make his life easy, to live for the moment, to enjoy himself, to spend everything that he has on himself. But Jesus says that's not what life is. Real life is being rich toward God. Real life, true life, the life that matters, the life that's good, the life that we were meant to live, is a life which is rich toward God. It's not only the most satisfying kind of life, because it's the kind of life that we were made for, it's not just the most satisfying life, it's also the only kind of life that God will care about as we stand before him on the last day and give an account. What is a life that's rich toward God? It's not a life that's lived by trying to earn our place with God, trying to live a really good life. It's not a life of slavish following of rules, hoping that God will accept you. It's not a life of giving all that grain, giving all that money to the church in the hope of buying your way into heaven. It's a life that begins with trusting in Jesus, relying on his death and forgiveness, relying on the Spirit of God every day. It's a life that rests in all that God has done for you, a life that takes hold of that, that receives that, that celebrates that, that delights in that, and a life that's then lived in daily gratitude and thankfulness to God. Lord, you've given me all the riches, all your riches in Christ. How can I be rich toward you? It's a life that put God, puts God above everything else. It's a life that asks, Lord, what do you want me to do with this harvest? rather than a life that asks, how can I make myself happy with this harvest?
Well, in a little while, each of us will head home. You'll head home to your favourite lounge or your favourite seat or your favourite back porch with your favourite view. And maybe you'll turn on the coffee machine and make a coffee. Maybe you'll enjoy a special family Sunday lunch. You might load up Netflix and begin a new series. You won't binge. (laughs) Maybe just a couple of episodes. You'll take the dog for a walk. You'll play in the park with the kids. You'll hop on the bike and go for a ride. You might sit on the lounge and look through the family photos and remember all the good times. You might enjoy a good book. You might get out the tools and work on your little side project that you've had going for the last few years. You might get out the sewing machine and finish off the quilt. And tonight you'll lay your head on the pillow, satisfied, content and happy. But maybe you will never wake up tomorrow morning. Maybe tonight your life will be required of you. Maybe tonight you'll have to stand before God and give an account. What account will you give of today? What account will you give of your life? What was the fundamental question that governed you? Was the question, how can I be rich toward God having received all God's riches in Jesus? Or was the question that governed your life, how can I put my feet up today, eat, drink, and be merry? Please realise that the answer to that question does not chiefly lie in what you did. None of the things that you might do this afternoon are wrong in and of themselves. Two people could live the same life and do the same things and give completely different accounts of why they did them. One person will stand before God and say, I did all those things. I had coffee, I read a book, I spent time with the family. I enjoyed them as rich gifts from your hand and I did them because I wanted to glorify you and another person will do all those same things and they'll say I just did them for myself I didn't think about you I just wanted to eat drink and be merry I thought that I'd have more time to get things in order with you before before this day came. Jesus says, you fool. Well, I hope the question that we all leave here this morning with burning in our minds is that question. I hope the question that we live for the rest of our lives with it burning in our minds is this question. Am I living a life which is rich toward God? Or am I living a life that's rich toward me? 
if your life is demanded of you tonight? What will you say that you lived for? You need to think about that before that day comes. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we uh, live in a world which is in a crisis. Lord, it's in a crisis because people don't know what to live for. And Lord, people are taking their own lives because they have no hope. And the hope that they're given is empty. And the hope that they're given is vacuous and transient. And the hope that they're given is here one day and gone tomorrow. And Lord, many of us have bought into that, whether we're Christians or not. Lord, we've bought into the hope of living for family or fun or happiness. And we failed to live for you. We failed to be rich toward you, the God who loves us and who made us. The Lord, the God who sent his own son to die for us. Lord, please forgive us. Lord, if any of us are living for ourselves, we offer that up to you now. And we ask that you'd help us to live for you. Not just sparingly, but live for you richly and bountifully and completely. Lord, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.